Welcome to The Wondering Mind, a podcast where we have candid conversations in hopes to break mental health stigmas and normalize speaking up about our mental health. Through this podcast, we will connect you to a diverse range of folks from all around the world who have struggled with their mental health, but have learned to weather through the storm. By listening to their stories, you may begin to feel empowered, less alone, and you may discover new ways that will help you navigate through your own mental health struggles. So sit back, relax, and remember, everyone's story matters. Welcome to the Wondering Mind podcast. I'm your host, Emily Elizabeth. Joining me today, all the way from the UK, I have Laura Murphy, and she's representing IAPMD. And we're going to chat all about what the organization is, how she got involved with it, what PMDD, PME, PME is, uh, and a little bit about your mental health journey. So I just want to say thank you for, for joining me today. So welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's let's talk about this, the organization first, because I feel okay. as though not many people, at least in America, know what IAPMD is. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's chat. What what it, what is the organization? What is the purpose? Of course. Okay, so we're fairly new, so I think that's probably why a lot of people haven't heard of us yet, but we're growing really fast. IAPMD stands for the International Association for Premenstrual Disorders. Um, So we started back in 2013. It was started by two patients, Amanda and Sandy, who met through a Facebook support group, um, both been diagnosed with PMDD, um, and um, they connected. And like so many of us, they were frustrated there was nothing out there for people with PMDD. And so they registered and started a nonprofit in America called um, NAPMDD, so the National Association for PMDD. Um, that was back in 2013. In 2017, I think it was, um, I was already involved with them. And um, we decided to become the International Association for Premenstrual Disorders because Firstly, we realized we were already working very internationally. We had an international audience, um, not just in America. Um, and secondly, to include PME in our mission, so premenstrual exacerbation, because there is um, so much crossover and confusion between the two. And often people are, um, well, at the time, a lot of people with um, PMDD were being diagnosed with depression, etc., and a lot of people um, were being di- diagnosed with bipolar and not PMDD. So there's this kind of back and forth. So um, the idea being to really include PME in the mission to sort of include that whole community. And obviously, I'll explain a bit more about PME and, and what it is later. Um, yeah. So we're fairly new, we're international. Uh, we provide education, resources, we provide um, support, support groups for patients all around the world, free video support groups, free online groups. Um, and in the last couple of years, we've really decided to focus on the um, education of professionals as well. I think um, the key line from our clinical advisory board chair uh, was, you know, we're creating thousands of patient experts, but they're going into the into the providers and 
they don't know what they're talking about. PMDD is a um, a relatively new diagnosis. It was only added to the DSM in 2013 and only became an international diagnosis. Um, it added it got added to the ICD-11 in 2009, but the code only fully kicked in in January this year. So in the big scheme of things, oh, wow. it's all still pretty new. Um, but still, it was um, really impacting a lot of people's lives, and they were going to see providers who had never heard of it and didn't have that education because obviously it's not involved. You know, it's not often um, it's not often part of an education program for gynecologists, psychologists, psychiatrists, etc. So, and um, that's really been a focus for the for the last couple of years for us. That's amazing. There's so many, I have so many questions right now. Go um, for it. <laughs> so I guess, first of all, my, my first question is, cause I want to get to know you a little bit more and I want the audience to learn a little bit more about you. So I guess my, my second question would be how, how did you get involved with this organization? Like, how did you find out about them? What's your personal tie to it? Okay. So the uh, social media as always. Um, nice. So I, Back in 2017, for a couple of years, I joined, when I found out about PMDD, I joined the UK PMDD support group. Yeah. And from that, um, bearing in mind, so I'd spent 17 years undiagnosed with PMDD at that point, and we were just seeing <clears throat> the same stories daily coming into the group you know I've been struggling for years my doctor's never heard of it I'm scared I'm going to lose my marriage I'm scared someone might try and take away my children if I tell people how I'm feeling what I'm going through my doctor's never heard of it no one's ever heard of it um, and so I decided to um, with a friend of mine locally start a uh, a awareness campaign so initially it was just supposed to be it was called the pmdd postcards project and um basically like we always say we just got a bit carried away <laughs> we we were doing this doing this project just very much as patients on the side you know started a facebook group started a side of facebook page started an instagram page so we kind of we started the vicious cycle project pmdd awareness and um from that, obviously, we were really active on social media, and through that, we connected with um, the then NAPMDD, and um, and just you know, we we shared each other's things, we connected, we talked, you know, um, there was just a lot of crossover, and we were sharing lots of their resources, etc. And um, I applied to become a um one of the board members uh board director um because I just yeah I wanted to be involved so I joined their board and then um I my my most useful thing I could contribute to them at the time was my time because I was very unwell I wasn't able to work more than part-time so um I started helping out with social media building up the social media from then um when you know about a year later when we finally got some funding um i started a paid role as a social media assistant then i became social media coordinator and then i became as we sort of grew we've got more people kind of coming in and then i'm now a director of education and awareness so that's sort of five six years down the line really um yeah and it's just been really important for me I think coming as someone you know who, who lived with PMDD for many many years it's a real privilege to be involved in something that's helping other people in the in the same position 
Yeah, it's pretty awesome that you get to do something every single day that you absolutely love to share and talk about. And it's different when you've experienced something and something yeah. is so personal to you. And then you still get to work on that every day and help people. It, it definitely is. And some days it could not be a blessing. It can be very difficult. It can yeah, be very difficult to see people struggling and going through trauma and really having a hard time and not being able to help everyone and being reminded of what that was like as well it can also be really hard you know because um you're constantly kind of reminded of your trauma yeah. and it was very traumatic however I always remember thinking when I was really in my bad times uh, with PMDD like you know where are all the people doing things where are all the people fixing this you know because at the time, you go back five, six years ago, and I remember starting an Instagram account called, I think it was called Bloody PMDD. There was nothing on there. There's nothing. And you go now, there's like thousands of PMDD accounts for, you know, for everything, humor, you know, holistic um, support, people sharing their stories. Um, you know, even five, six years ago, that that wasn't there. Um, so, yeah, I, I really looked around and was thinking well whether people where are people doing this and of course they were you know we've got some amazing doctors in the UK and some amazing um researchers and work going on but you know as someone who's just you know living in Kent in the UK plodding along with their everyday life you don't know that you don't see it going on um so yeah I always kind of wanted to be one of the people doing something and now I'm lucky yeah I get to be get to be part of that yeah, absolutely. I, I love that. And I I want to know, so you have experienced PMDD. Mm-hmm. You said you dealt with it for quite a long time. I, and I know still here in America, like you're right, there are tons of social media accounts now, which is amazing. The awareness is starting to take form and to kind of spread, but it's still fairly unknown at least Mm -hmm. over here like I mean I didn't even know what it was I still really don't completely know what it is Mm -hmm. entirely so can you kind of explain to the listeners like what maybe what your experience is like with it or just in general what are some of the signs and symptoms of PMDD and how it affects you of course so I should say first of all it stands for premenstrual dysphoric disorder it affects one in 20 women and people assigned female at birth it's very common um it can be triggered at any point during the reproductive lifestyle so some people lifestyle lifespan so for some people um they may have this condition from their first period for other people it's not until perimenopause that it Mm. kicks in and for other people it's having children taking the pill anything um like big hormonal shifts or stressful life events seem to be able to to trigger it off um so it's essentially um it's a hormone-based mood disorder and it only affects you and I say only (laughs) I say that lightly because it affects people a lot um but it affects people in the in the luteal phase so between ovulation around ovulation and around the time of your period so if you had a 28 day cycle for example it could be 14 days of the month that that you're affected um so the thing with PMDD is in that follicular phase so 
after your period until you ovulate the next time, you're free of symptoms. And this is because there's an issue with the brain with PMDD, a hormone sensitivity. So it's not a hormone imbalance. Hmm. There's nothing wrong with um, if you have only PMDD. Um, you know, there's not an imbalance. They're not being metabolized differently. It's literally, um, it's a sort of uh, a wonky wiring in the brain that has an abnormal negative response to those fluctuations that occur. So when you ovulate mm. and those sex hormones rise and fall throughout the next couple of weeks, um, the brain has an abnormal negative emotional reaction to those. So um, it has a very biological cause. It's very real for anyone listening. Um, but symptoms, uh, primarily uh, depression, anxiety, feeling overwhelmed um some people have um physical symptoms such as breast tenderness um joint pain um sometimes bloating but the really the the physical symptoms are on the sort of a more minimal side of things it's predominantly you know it's registered in the dsm-5 as a psychiatric disorder because it occurs in the brain um you know overwhelm um irritability for some people irritability rage um you know people experience panic attacks anxiety attacks i very much um used to want to run away all the time um so i think it does get confused you know i was told for many years i just had really bad pms and mm -hmm. you know i had to then to live with it um but you know i'd have to sleep pretty much three days in a row I'd have hypersomnia as well so there can be sleep there can be I should say sleeping issues sleeping changes and um uh appetite changes for some people binge eat some people lose their appetite some people can't sleep with insomnia other people I went the other way so I'd get hypersomnia where I'd you know sleep 14 hours get up have breakfast be exhausted have to go back to bed you know, really couldn't keep your eyes open and caffeine wouldn't knock through it. It'd just wow. be game, you know, game over for the day. You just had to write, write some days off. Um, so my my symptoms started when I was uh, 17 and I took the contraceptive pill. And on day 21, when you swap and take the sugar pills, um, the, you know, I don't fully understand what happened, but obviously like the kind of hormone drop triggered something off um and uh, from then on in i just suffered uh with sort of periods of depression periods of anxiety or not actually not anxiety anxiety didn't come until my 30s but panic attacks like really like strong overwhelming panic attacks which mm. would then recede um so yeah and it, it kind of i think in my 20s it's, it's hard because when you're not diagnosed until i wasn't aware of PMTD until I was 34 and it started when I was 17 so you can kind of look back retrospectively but it's kind of hard to to figure it out um, I did suffer with longer periods of depression for sort of six months at a, at a time and really awful panic attacks um, and I know that antidepressants helped me for a while I, I could function at some point throughout my 20s and and work I say normally, whatever normal is, you know, yeah. nine to five, as was normal back then. Thankfully, the world's a bit more flexible nowadays, um, you know, and it wasn't until in my 30s when I had the marina coil and I reacted really, really badly and was, you know, I had to give up work. 
um, and was very, very unwell for about 18 months. That's when the anxiety kicked in. Um, Yeah, and I'd never suffered from anxiety before. I'd had panic attacks, but they were kind of like a quick hit that knock you out and then you recover. But with anxiety, it was just this long running, you know, never ending exhaustion and, you know, um, overthinking and shaking and physical symptoms and the mental symptoms as well, just really, really tiring. So it sounds like PMDD is almost like an exaggerated, heightened, drawn out form of PMS. Mm-hmm. Like it's, but it, the difference is it lasts much longer and it's way more drastic as in you're like at a normal quote unquote, normal yep. hormonal level. And then all of a sudden it's a plummet. Yeah. Complete it's, plummet. And I think that there's lots of people within the, the community that don't like the comparison to PMS. And I understand that, but I think in, in terms of having people understand it who don't Mm -hmm. have the condition it can be really useful it's just a really really severe version and not everyone I should say so it's not necessarily longer um like in my 20s it would be about five six days a month that were really bad Mm -hmm. um and then in my 30s it was like you know the 10 12 days kind of drawn out so it's not necessarily the 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 time period it lasts Mm. um but yeah, some people certainly, you know, do have it for half of their month, you know, depending on their menstrual cycle, you know, not everyone has a 28 day cycle. Right. Um, so, you know, they, but they have it for half of their sort of menstrual, men- menstrual month, I should say. Um, so, yeah, I think in terms of getting people to understand it, a really, really severe, severe form of PMS. Um, so it's, it's it's really difficult to compare it because I think you know I think in my 20s there were some times like I said I was pretty well functioning and I think I was on medication which obviously Mm -hmm. helped um somewhat even though I didn't know what it was treating um but I think there was definitely times I I coped more and I experienced sort of more PMS levels you know where it's like irritability and grumpy and um you know and it can be that can be really horrible I I don't want to just say PMS is a, a walk in the park for everyone. Um, but I think PMDD, you know, a lot like any condition, it can be, it's a spectrum disorder. So, you know, some people might have three or four days of really, really uncomfortable symptoms, but they can still function, they can still work and it's unpleasant, but they get through it. Um, and then at the other end of the spectrum, you know, we see people that are sectioned every month, they're um, hospitalized because they're suicidal. Um, suicidal ideation is extremely common. Um, suicide attempts are sadly also very common. I think in our latest research, it was about 32 percent of people um, had attempted to take their life while in PMDD. Um, there's also a lot of self-harm. I don't want to, I don't want to say everyone suffers to that degree, but I think it's really important that people understand just how severe it can be. I, I used to just hit the floor every month and not be able to, to function for a good week. And it would feel like someone had died. It's so strange to even describe it because it mm. just, it would just feel 
like the world had been pulled out from under your feet and you couldn't outthink it because mm-hmm. I'm a thinker I think a lot you know um doesn't always make sense <laughs> but you know my brain usually sort of spins a bit um but you can't outthink it you couldn't change it you were stuck in it you know and you just had to go through it and then you know at the end of every sort of 10 days by that point in my sort of early 30s I was having like you know period flu quotes you know period flu every month where I was just getting really ill every month because my body had just been under such stress I was just exhausted um and then you know and then you'd come on your period and my periods were quite fine you know um they didn't particularly knock me out you know just a few painkillers and a bit of rest was fine um and then you have to kind of build back up again to kind of get back into normal life and catch up with that two weeks of for me you know housework and washing and trying to earn money because if you can't work in that period what what do you do then you're suddenly trying to recap in those two weeks before it happens again and then for other people um it can be like a how does someone describe it someone described it as a you know a monthly tsunami of shame Mm. where if you're Mm -hmm. you know depending on what your symptoms are you know if you're extremely irritable irritable and ragey or you don't come you're not with someone that understands it can do a, a lot of damage and then every month you're left trying to pick up those pieces if you said things you regret you said things you don't mean you've reacted to something you know it can be um can be really really difficult and it's you know a part-time mental health condition it's strange it's on off on off it's not like I found with depression where you know you were working towards getting better every day I think you knew with depression or I knew with my depression rather that one day it would clear it didn't feel like it but one day it would get better but with PMDD it's like okay I know I'm going to feel better next week but I know it's going to come back again on the 14th of you know July it's going to hit again I'm going to start to feel forgetful I'm going to start to feel confused I'm going to start to get my words wrong I'm going to start to feel tired I'm going to start to want bread lots of bread um you know this sort of slow decline into just being really unwell yeah so everything you're saying (laughs) I have experienced this (laughs) Um, I haven't been clinically diagnosed and again I think I love the work that you all are doing because it's so important that clinicians start to recognize and educate themselves on this because it is such a horrible thing for women to have to go through and everything that you just explained, especially like the, the fact that you, you can't get out of it Mm -hmm. when you're in it. And, you know, there are people that will say, you know, Oh, think positively and and go for a walk and do yoga. And during those seasons, during those moments, those couple of weeks, your chemicals you have no control over that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at this point and it's really scary because like you said you know with depression you can kind of work on that over time and it feels like a recovery it does yeah it felt like you know okay I'm doing that and then one day you 
kind of be like, oh, okay, I kind of want to see someone today. And okay, I kind of want to have a shower. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there'd be little landmarks of sort mm-hmm. of feeling better. Um, but yeah, this is a different beast, you know. It is. I think the most frustrating thing for me and probably yourself and many others as well is when you're experiencing this, one, knowing you there's nothing really you can do to make it completely go away. And two, you know, it's going to come back. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, you can't catch a break. It's like, you, you don't have time. Like you were saying, you know, when you come out of it, you're like trying to catch up on life and Mm -hmm. get things back in order when you're feeling good, but you know, it's only going to last for this amount of time. So you're the overwhelm is still constantly going trying to race against yourself because you know that in a few more weeks you're going to crash again and it's absolutely horrendous to experience and it was the most frustrating thing for me and I was severely depressed I was anxious I have ADHD so it made the overwhelm even worse and I finally said enough is enough I cannot do this anymore Luckily, I had already been seeing a psychiatrist for ADHD, and I had gone on medication for that during the midst of all of this a couple of months ago, and I talked to her about these symptoms, and again, I wasn't technically diagnosed with PMDD because I don't even know if she knows what it is, (laughs) but a lot of women are getting put on antidepressants for these symptoms, And I was hesitant. I was very hesitant. Like I was given the medication. I didn't even take it for like a month after. And then finally it got so bad and I couldn't do anything. Like I couldn't complete things that I was working on. I couldn't fully be present. I wasn't happy. I was lonely. I was miserable. Like, so I, I went on antidepressants. I've been on this medication for two months now, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I had my cycle for the first time being on this medication. Wow. Yay. Oh, like music to my ears. And I feel like you would understand because, you know, I feel like you've gotten a handle on on your situation as well. So you know that when you don't have to deal with that anymore, when the medication balances everything out and you finally have a whole, almost a whole month month of consistent moods that are good yeah I can oh I'm beaming because that's wonderful and I think it's it's strange that there's well I shouldn't say it's there's so much stigma around SSRIs Mm -hmm. and you know statistically they are the best treatment that we have for BMDD currently they work for about 67 60 to 70 of people in clinical trials Um, it can take a while to find the right um, regime and the right dosage but they do work for an awful lot of people and it can be life-changing but I've heard so many people say that I had them and I didn't want to take them and isn't it strange because you know it was if it was diabetes or right any other health condition when we have this you know this this stigma and I mean it's a personal choice I wouldn't it is and yeah and again but I think you're 100% right when there's so much stigma and stereotypes surrounding antidepressant and just medications Mm -hmm. that help to treat any type of mental health issue again. But I love that you, 
<laughs> you're like, if you have diabetes, there's literally no question whether or not you're going to go on this medication. I mean, there might be some regarding side effects, but mm-hmm. usually but you try you, them, you try them you and know? you go on it and you know, it's a life or death kind of situation. Like if you don't go on this medication, yeah, things are going to get worse. That's the well, thing. It can be. It's the same with mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, you just said explaining what this is that people are suicidal. People have suicidal ideations. People attempt to kill themselves. Like mm-hmm. that's life or death. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that people still push against treatment on various levels, whether it's medication or something else, even therapy. Um, it's I think I think it's difficult. I think it's really difficult because I think what we often see in um, support groups and in the organization Mm -hmm. is that perhaps one doctors have never heard of PMDD so they are just prescribing SSRIs as a kind of uh like a brush off or an easy fix I'm giving you something Mm -hmm. um two they might know about PMDD and know that SSRIs are a good first treatment option but often they don't have the time to explain that to someone. So I think um, it is stigma, but I think it's also doctors and providers having perhaps a lack of time and a lack of, um, you know, education perhaps in saying, look, I'm going to prescribe you these. I don't think you're clinically depressed, um, but I do think there is this going on and I do think it might help. And this is how they work. They are proven to work for this condition. Try them, give them this long, you know, and if not, we can try something else or we can alter the dosage or we can, you know, I I think having that really helps and puts people at ease um, rather than I feel and I see a lot of people feeling very brushed off um, that, you know, they're just kind of given these as a kind of to get you out of the office, which I'm, I'm sure happens. Exactly you know. the same here. So I think um, it, it's having that um, education and having that time to, to explain that actually, you know, it is a well-researched treatment for PMDD and does work for a lot of people. Do you think that doctors and clinicians will ever come around and like, how, how do we change this narrative where clinicians are not educated on this? Like, why is this? I just, I don't really understand. I mean, women, like we account for so much of the population. We birth children. We, we continue to populate this earth. Mm -hmm. And yet for some reason, talking about our menstrual cycle and the things that we emotionally go through in general, in our society, in our world, really is not done like we just we don't take enough care with all of this I mean I love that I'm grateful that your organization is doing the work that you're doing because that's honestly what clinicians should be doing as Mm -hmm. well is is researching and and doing the work and what is your take on that like how do you think this is going to get any better um I think it's already getting better. I think I I will speak about the UK mm-hmm. for a moment. Like women's health over here is massive at the moment, um, you know, and they're putting in place women's health care plans and new policies, um, you know, um, education. Like it, over here, GPs, so um, providers of 
first line providers don't have to have any women's health education at all it's optional it's bonkers wow. um you know and I think this, the system's different over here. You know, you have to kind of get past that first person, um, you know, the gatekeeper to get to the next level. I know the system's mm-hmm. different in America. You can kind of jump that step. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, I think it's kind of happening. I think for so many years, I don't know why my voice went so high then. <laughs> happening. Um, I, think, I think it is happening, you know, for so many years, like people didn't talk about mental health. You know, I, I was speaking to one of our, new assistants the other day Steph and she was saying you know when I had postnatal and I'm she won't mind me talking about this mm-hmm. she's very open on social media talking about it mm-hmm. um but you know she was saying when she had her postnatal depression I think it was 10 years ago mm. no one spoke about it it was all hush hush it was behind doors she had has had postnatal depression again sadly more recently and she's like it's so different she got rooted to care she got rooted to support she stayed under that care team for a period of time you know and you could say to someone now like I have um well, we call it postnatal but postpartum depression and I think the reaction would be very different to how it was 10 years ago same as if you said um that you had depression you know 15 years ago I remember having a house party and I'd printed something out from a website about depression for my then partner. And I remember my friends sort of scuttling up to me and saying, I don't know if you even know it's there, but um, just above your fireplace, there's a leaflet on depression. And I went and removed it because I was oh, like, wow. oh, thanks for letting me know. And now I'm just like, yay, <laughs> on the internet telling everyone about periods and suicide. Like, you know, things have changed drastically. And I think you look at how people talk about periods now and menstruation again that was hush hush you know tampax adverts that didn't mention blood periods pain anything blue liquid right you look at how that's changing you look at tiktok and see all these amazing young people just talking about periods and bodily fluids and boob pain and then mental health and taking the pill like I think that's where it starts it starts from people not you know kind of gatekeeping this information you know not saying you need to talk about it on social media but like you know even talking about periods with friends and children kind of you know just destigmatizing it and making it and an, a normal thing to talk about and the same with mental health and I think in the UK we're probably a bit further ahead with that like you know mental health is um yeah featured into lots of policies and workplaces and you know it's not perfect but it, it's you know it's further down the road but I think having those conversations so people get their answers earlier you know I mean I didn't find out about PMDD until I was 34 and there were so many missed opportunities along the way and then you see so many people now in their 20s kind of figuring it out earlier, you know. And I don't know if I would have necessarily wanted that, would I? Yes, I think so. I don't know. <laughs> it's really hard because yeah. when you know about it, it comes, you know, you have to make decisions and all you know, the other responsibilities and stuff. That yeah, you that. have yeah. to plan things and make, mm-hmm. you know, potentially make changes in your life. Um, so I think it's already starting. There is that kind of pressure. Um 
you know, from the public, from women and people designed female at birth to to be like, okay, take this seriously. Why are we not talking about this? This is ridiculous. It's a it's a period. It's my mental health, you know, it's the two combined. So I think that as a as a start is really, really useful because that means, you know, as an organization and as people, mm-hmm. you don't have to spend time smashing down that kind of like, you know, patriarchal kind of society you know keeping quiet I think in terms of education it's it's just a matter I think and I don't think it's just PMDD I think Mm -hmm. it's all you know women's health conditions that are so um underdiagnosed mismanaged um misunderstood under-researched you know I think it's um it's all of those things that have to to change and you know it's a it's a slow process, but I think it's 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 getting there, and it, it helps having more and more people talk about their um their mental health. You know, would you see that many people like twenty years ago? I don't know how old you are. Thirty-three. <laughs> so. Okay, that's you're alive. That's good. <laughs> um, but you know, would you see people willing to talk about how? before their periods they want to take their life in you know in the newspaper I'm sure there was the odd article but now when we put a shout out like there's people always willing to talk about it and shout about it and share their experiences which to me is just like a really wonderful recognition of how times have changed um in the fact that people can feel open about that um and I think on a very basic level when it comes to you know PMDs premenstrual disorders um is having it integrated, you know, into collaborative care, having gynecologists know what it is, having psychiatrists know what it is. And just from a really, really simple point of view, getting people to track their cycle and track their symptoms and their mood changes. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a negative thing. It can be, you know, I know know lots of people do it now, you know, they track the mood cycles when they're best at sports or most active or can, you know, can function properly. I know like with ADHD, there's a real um I I have now (laughs) self-diagnosed myself with ADHD after reading about it but it really flares when I have a um hormone fluctuation so you know picking those times you know I have like a list of like jobs that I can do really small quick jobs that I can do when I can't focus on anything else and then I know when I can do like my big jobs where I can deep dive and sit and for you know for a whole however many hours sit and like crack through it and get it done managing things like that you know cycle tracking is just so so useful but um it's all about education it's all about you know and like I said not just PMDD but um having women's healthcare as part of you know really in-depth training for doctors and taking women's pain seriously um and I feel that's definitely starting to happen in the UK definitely you know there's lots of we've, we're working with Wales and Scotland and uh, the UK on their women's health plan you know and you know integrating these conversations if someone has depression asking the question like, you know, are there any times of menstrual cycle? Do you, do you think it's particularly worse? Do you track your cycle? You know, um, uh, this is probably a really good time to explain what PME is, if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah, PME is premenstrual exacerbation. So this is where, again, 
in that luteal phase, luteal phase of the cycle, uh, there is a flare of symptoms. So with PMDD, there would be you would be symptom free in the follicular phase. So from after your bleed, around the time of your bleed until the next ovulation. With PME, you have a condition like depression, anxiety, um, ADHD, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, borderline personality disorder, um, even some physical healthcare conditions, arthritis, um, asthma have um, all been shown to um, potentially have premenstrual exacerbation. So you ha would have that condition all the time. So say for yourself, ADHD, you'd have it all month round, but in that follicular, in the um, luteal phase, it would flare, mm. you know? So um, I think 60, uh, what's the 60% of people with um, depression experience a flare before um, their period. I think it's about 50% of people with bipolar disorder have a flare, um, especially with mania around ovulation, mm. you know, so it's really important. I think anyone having, um, you know, we, we focus primarily on the exacerbation of psychiatric disorders rather than physical. Um, but that's not to say, obviously, they're not important, but, you know, it, it you know, is recognised in many, many physical um, physical conditions. Um, yeah, it's really important just to ask those questions. Does it worsen sometime a month? It's so easy. It's it is so, so easy. easy to just like to connect this. the two, connect the dots. Yeah. Like your cycle is controlling basically everything because yeah. it's fluctuating everything that's going on in your brain with your hormones and everything like that, your serotonin levels, your dopamine levels. And it's just kind of mind-blowing that this hasn't always been a thing of with women's care, always integrating the two, because yeah. it's the more we talk about it, it's quite, quite quickly. You can realize just how like, yeah, it's, it's, together it's ingrained and integrated. And yeah. I think, you know, probably a lot of the reason why it hasn't is pushback. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess I guess we have to understand we have to look back to the past and think you know women have had to really fight for where they are now and how far they've come you know so they've had to kind of move away from that stigma that you know you're controlled by your periods you're controlled your moods are controlled by your hormones um you know it dictates how you function and how you act and while that can be the case for some people it's not for everyone you know and I think there's there was a lot of pushback from um, feminist groups back in 2013 when um it was added to the dsm-5 because it was felt to be pathologizing the um, female experience so the idea being you know um for so many years women have been seen as hysterical and you know um uncontrollable all these things you know that have sort of been hyped up in the media and you know by sort of patriarchy that you know um pms and moods and moody and people get manic and irritable and they can't make you know correct decisions and there was pushback on that on you know it being pmdd being put in as a um a psychiatric disorder which you can kind of understand to one degree and then on the other hand like the way we look at it at it is as an organization is that for 
we're not saying that this is the case for everyone, but there is a subgroup of people, about 5%, 5.5% of people, that do have this abnormal reaction to their hormones. And there is no reason for those people um, to kind of be sacrificed, you know, to not get the support they need, to not get the care they need, to not get the treatment they need. Um, you know, it, it's recognizing the fact that there is this kind of subsection of people that do have this, you know, genetic malfunction, as it were, that makes them react a certain way. But I think that, yeah, I, th I think it's a difficult one isn't it you know you look back in history and people fighting for rights and equality you know people didn't want to be seen to be you know enslaved to their menstrual cycle well it's a tough one mm -hmm. it's a tough one so it it's, it's moving forward and I think recognizing the fact that you know there's subsection that are really I don't want to say controlled by it affected, affected by it yeah. um and deserve understanding and compassion and support mm -hmm. but we're not saying that that's the case everyone you know yeah makes total sense it's just like with anything else with any other group of people that suffer from whatever mm -hmm. they still deserve to have resources and treatment and to have people willing to understand them you know this Definitely. is no different I think you know we've kind of got the 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 double whammy of it being linked to you know mental health and periods. It's this mm -hmm. kind of like double layer of stigma, yeah. Yeah. Um, historical stigma. I think it's changing, um, <clears throat> but yeah, you're kind of sort of yeah, it's it's a tough one. But I, I do think it's changing. I see positive changes all the time, you know, and people, even people just willing to speak about it, mm -hmm. you know, that's Absolutely. a that's a big deal and I think I know everyone wants things changed overnight and I know every, you know everyone you speak to wants to walk into a doctor's office and have them know what you're talking about and mm -hmm. I get that because I would love my doctor <laughs> to be able to do that however it's a big big world and you know these things yeah. take time I do see positive changes happening all the time and people um really taking it seriously that you know there can be a real impact for some people between these hormone fluctuations and their and their well-being and their health. So you mentioned a little bit earlier uh, about the importance of tracking your cycle. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering, because I, I started doing that as well. I think when mm -hmm. things got really, really bad with my my hormones and my moods, I started tracking on an app called Clue. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any recommendations? for the listeners as to apps that they can utilize to track their cycle. And maybe you can just briefly discuss or share why it's so important to, to possibly start tracking your cycle if you aren't already. Sure. So um, I think there's sort of two points to this, whether you are um, looking to track your cycle for a diagnosis or whether you're looking to track your cycle for kind of insight. Um, so currently the only way to diagnose PMDD is through tracking. There's no blood tests, saliva test, um, hormone test that can diagnose it. It can be used to rule things out. So um, if you had a hormone imbalance that might show up on a blood test, for example. Um, but again, if you had a hormone imbalance, the symptoms would be visible all month long 
it wouldn't be confined it wouldn't be this on off pattern mm. so at the moment the only way um, currently of diagnosing pmdd is by having at least two months of really careful daily symptom tracking so if that is where you're heading um, if you're looking for a diagnosis then i would say uh, there's an app called premetrix um which is it's quite an older one but it's sort of very um thorough or i would say um personally i'm kind of a paper and pen kind of girl <laughs> we've got printable um sheets on the website um that people can print off two or three and then track their symptoms really daily really carefully and that's important um because one we don't want um so say for example what we used to see is that people were diagnosed with anything but pmdd <laughs> and now we are seeing people misdiagnosed with pmdd mm. when perhaps they may have um, borderline personality disorder or um bipolar disorder so daily tracking not just on the days you are at your worst is really important and a good reason to use um, the printed tracking sheets is that they have all the DSM diagnostic criteria on there. So that's what a doctor is going to want to see. They're going to want to see that you match that criteria and there is a direct impact on your life on the severity. Um, if you are looking to track your cycle generally and sort of more journal it and figure it out, um, there's one called MeVPMDD. Um, which is again available on our website and it's free um and that is really good just for tracking their spaces you know to add notes and thoughts and journals um i used one for years called uh woman log pro or something woman log pro which i i personally found really useful and you could print it out to take to your doctors and stuff but there's so many out there now it's hard to know but yeah I, i'd say it depends whether you're looking for insight or diagnosis you know, absolutely. That's great. I think just having this conversation and knowing that your organization exists and being able to share with the listeners what you all do, and that if someone is going through something similar to what you've explained today, that it's okay, that it's becoming a normal thing. Like there are other women out there who struggle with this and there are more resources available. There's ways to navigate through it. So I think this episode is actually going to be really comforting for a lot of folks. So I just want I to thank so. you for, I hope so too. And, and I want to thank you because, you know, you took the time out of your day to come on and, and share all this information. Um, and I really, really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. You're so welcome. And I'm sorry to hear you're going through it too. It's, it's really hard. Yeah, it is. But again, ever since I started that medication, it's just been a complete 180. And I'll say like, again, medication doesn't cure anything. You know, now it's more of, I still have quote unquote, the normal symptoms. Yeah. They're much more manageable. It's not as, you know, yeah, up and not down. As impacting. Exactly. So that's definitely, and it's only a few days as opposed to like two weeks. Yeah. That's <laughs> amazing. Of just debilitating, you know, emotions constantly. So thank you. I, sh I should say, so if anyone, we're just about to launch um, this month, finally, <laughs> uh, we've got a patient treatment guidebook coming out and it's a oh, guide wow. to evidence-based treatment. So if people are listening to this and thinking like, you know, you've only mentioned one 
thing which is SSRIs there are other things people can try um, and what it does is it explains all the treatments how they work if there's research into them you know potential side effects how you might feel when you start them because like we said you know often doctors don't have time to explain that or they might not have excuse me the knowledge to explain that mm -hmm. so hopefully we've answered a lot of questions that come from a patient's point of view but also with knowledge from providers um and very you know high level researchers that have, you know spend their life researching this stuff so really sort of trying to sort of demystify that, that information if it works how it works how you might feel um, and that will be available on our website in the next few weeks wow so is that like a pdf of just all this information that folks yeah, can go and check out ebook. Yeah. oh wow that's amazing yeah we awesome. get some is it 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 was just basically a little website update and again i got carried away <laughs> this is what happens this is hey, what but it's happens. gonna be so great and so helpful when it launches so yeah it, it'll, it'll be so. worth it yeah, yeah i hope so <laughs> Well, thank you so much. And for the folks who are listening that want to follow your organization, mm -hmm. IAPMD, where can they find information? So we are, um, our main resource is our website, um, IAPMD.org. There's information on there for patients. There's signposting to um, information about tracking, diagnosis, finding a doctor, um treatment options and um, there's also information for providers so perhaps if you've seen a doctor that's um not knowledgeable but wants to be you know which is always good um you can refer them to the website there's treatment guidelines on there for providers there's scientific papers there's wow. primers for psychologists you know we're really trying to sort of fill all those gaps that people need um so there's loads of information there and obviously yeah we're on facebook instagram um twitter linkedin and um i'm attempting to be on tiktok but i'm not very good at it <laughs> that's a whole beast in itself i that's... know i know it's getting there but if any yeah if anyone's on tiktok come follow us IAPMD global <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for joining me again and speaking about this i really really appreciate it you're so welcome thank you for having me Absolutely. And thank you again to the listeners for tuning in to another episode of the Wondering Mind podcast. Until next time, maintain your brain and keep on wondering.